Evergrande right now is in the middle of negotiating a restructuring deal that if it doesn't negotiate to its finality will mean that Evergrande will liquidate on Monday. Mm. What is Evergrande? That would cause a lot of floods. Oh, yeah. Uh, liquidation. I see what you did there. There is a, there is a, a liquid joke in flooding. I, and since, I it's, since it's real estate, if real estate <laughs> turns to liquid. Well, I hear people say it's underwater. My mortgage oh. is underwater. <laughs> Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to an exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff. McClure. Exciting for us. Maybe not for you. Mm. That's the first disclosure. This is the personal wealth coach, and anytime people start talking about finance, then they should have a whole bunch of disclosures for you to, to immediately forget or memorize and walk around and speak them at gatherings like barbecues and such, because that's how you should start good conversations with disclosures. First disclosure is that... Um, this may not be as exciting for you as it is for us. Second disclosure is that we are both bald and mm. bearded. Mm. And uh, we're also related to each other. Mm. We're also related to you as well as we're all hopefully in the same species. Though there may be non-humans listening. If you have a goldfish in the room or a dog present, then uh, we may be speaking to a multi-species audience. That's, that's, mm. uh, these are inane disclosures, but they're good. Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach. That's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm, and that's not a coincidence. The people there are the people here and so on and so forth. Just because the firm's registered to give investment advice doesn't mean we're giving investment advice on the air, because we can't. Investment advice is supposed to be to the people that we know in a private setting, in the best interest of them, and putting their interests way, way ahead of our own. Okay, well, we can't do that on the air because we don't know everybody. Well, maybe we know everybody. That's listening. Maybe we do, but it's still not private because other people that we know might also be listening. Um, and people we don't know might be listening too. Uh, yes. What's the likelihood of that? Though? Uh, there's one or two sometime occasionally. Sometimes we have people listening to this program. When the program is aired, it, it occasionally gets listeners. Mm. Um, so we can't give investment advice on the air. So what are we doing? We just told you that firms registered to give investment advice, and then we say we can't. Well, the, the program that we're doing is here for educational purposes. Hopefully, we can teach you something so that you can at least know when you need to ask for advice and who to ask for advice and all that good stuff. So secondarily to that, or but from the perspective of the SEC, primarily to that, just because we're registered with the SEC doesn't mean that we are some anointed uh, representatives of the government. We are not. They don't do that. Uh, they are our regulators. So if we say something stupid, scratch that. That's most of what we say. If we say something fraudulent, you should complain to them. If we, if you complain to them every time we said something stupid, then they would uh, probably block you from their mailing lists because uh, we say it so much. Um, although it would be nice to get blocked from the IRS's mailing list. The SEC's not quite as fun. All right. Uh, next disclosure. Um, we're not paying for this radio program yet. Uh, we haven't paid for this program since we started 
back in 1997. Uh, let's see. Don't pay for it. It's not paid commercial. We, we do pay for advertising on the station, but the station that we pay, the advertisements that we pay for are for this program. Okay. So you've got the last disclosure. The nope. information oh, we... Don't, don't take your clothes off. That's not what I meant. Sorry, go, go go right ahead. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the completeness or accuracy of said information. Although, and it's literally, it's literally said information. Yes. Well, we do warranty and guarantee that anything that we do not say on the radio uh, is incomplete. There we go. That's a, that is a warrantied by us in verbal form. There you go. Uh, so what happened this week in the market? There was something in the market this week? I, I think that there were price tags. Uh, in some cases, there was um, bargaining and uh, mm. and so on in others. Well, the S&P 500 stock index rose 0.77% for the week, which doesn't sound like much. But since there's 52 weeks in a year, if you multiply that times 52, you get a really big number. And the funny thing about the big number that you get is that it's pretty close to the, the number of year to date because it's up 20% so far this year. The S&P 500 is up 20% so far this year. It's up about 28% from its low last October. It's but it's only 24% higher than it was three years ago. And I realize these numbers sound really strange. It's only 24% higher than it was three years ago, but it's up 20% this year. Does that mean it only rose 4% for two years? Yes. On top of that, and it's, it's not still, back up to where it was at right. the top. See the top it's of that still thing? 4% lower than it was at the beginning of 2022. So is the market up or down? And the answer is yes. The longer the term, the more it looks up. The shorter the term, the more it looks weird. And that is the nature of stock markets in general and certainly the United States stock market. Uh, now, this is an interesting point. Uh, there, As of the 18th, the, we will reduce the S&P 500 from 503 stocks to 502 stocks because they're going to bring in two and get rid of three. Uh, I think they're trying to work back towards 500. Um, but we also follow the CRSP, U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index which is weird, right? Um, it rose 2.54% this week. It's up 2.57% year to date and 10.43% from last October. And this is what's interesting. If you pull the top, the seven largest stocks out of the S&P 500, its performance is not much different from the uh, mid-cap value index. The main part of the stock market, unless you happen to own the seven mostly majorly overpriced stocks that are driving the S&P 500 up, you will have seen over the last year, uh, well, actually since 2022, you will have seen your portfolio probably gradually falling if you just look that far back, uh, which is not very far back. You know, this is only 2023. If you look back two years, in essence, what you're going to see is without the seven probably overpriced stocks that have something to do with AI or may or may not have something to do with AI, the stock market basically is where it was two or three years ago. It hasn't gone very far. It hasn't done very much. Now, here's the interesting point about the stock market, though. Deep down in the underlying part of the market, not the seven high flyers, earnings have continued to rise while the prices haven't. That means they become more and more of a more and more of the S&P 500 is falling into the category we call value, which means that the stock is 
worth less than the company. And that we're value investors, so we kind of like that. So um, let's see. And the, the rise, by the way, this week was primarily on Friday. There was some extraordinary economic news that didn't make the headlines, as far as I could tell. Maybe I should have been looking somewhere else, but very little headline news about what happened. But I consider what was announced this week to be earth-shaking. The benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note, which is the yield that a lot of other interest rates are set from, it's now using, yielding 4.22%. Um, its yield actually declined 5.6% from last week. The 10-year yield decline was not reflected in the rates being paid by Treasury bills because the very, very short-term T-bills, the stuff that to make up money market funds, uh, maturities of one year or less, uh, the one month T-bill, for example, the shortest one that's reported on is paying 5.55% on an annualized basis. Something obviously, not obviously going to pay it in a month, but if you, if it stayed the same for a year, which it won't, it would be paying 5.55%. So the yield curve is still firmly inverted. Short term rates are higher than long term rates, uh, which is become a weird kind of unusual normal. Uh, West Texas Intermediate crude oil, the other thing we look at, dropped another 1.14%. It's been dropping for several weeks now. It's trading at $74.31 per barrel, which means basically as we approach Christmas, the price of gasoline is coming down, which nobody is going to complain about. And it fits in very neatly with the rest of the story. Very nice. And that's the markets. Uh, I've got well, a real quick one, and I'll hand it back to you right after that if you don't mind. Evergrande right now is in the middle of negotiating a restructuring deal that if it doesn't negotiate to its finality will mean that Evergrande will liquidate on Monday. Mm. What is Evergrande? That will Ever- cause a lot of floods. Oh, yeah. Uh, liquidation, I see what you did there. There is a, there is a, a liquid joke in flooding. I and since it's, since it's real estate, if real estate <laughs> turns to liquid. Well, I hear people say it's underwater. My mortgage oh. is underwater. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this is what will happen. Evergrande is um, the one of the largest companies in China. It is a real estate development company that's involved in a lot more than just real estate. But real estate has been a, a major portion of the Chinese economy, as in 25% of its GDP is real estate. That's terrifying, by the way, because real estate as a major portion of economy just means that eventually when everybody's bought what they're going to buy for a while, 25% of your economy might crater. That is the danger here, is that we're looking at Evergrande going away and not being the only one. There's a whole series of large property developers in China that have um, overdeveloped, don't have people buying, uh, have had contracts to sell properties and have not finished those properties and never intend to, uh, leaving a lot of people holding the bag. Uh, that's a big deal and something we've been following for a while. This is, uh, this may be the weekend. Or it might not be. They might, they've, they've had some negotiating deals in the past that led to them staggering on as a zombie for a while. And that may, that's the best case scenario is that Evergrande continues to stagger along, not being able to do anything, pretty much not able to pay its debt still. Uh, it's kind of like Greece. But <laughs> if, if, if they do, only it's bigger than Greece. If they go down, which I can't imagine the Chinese government allowing them to fail because they are so intertwined with Country Garden, which is an almost as big real estate company. Right. And there's so much money, Chinese individual money invested in those two companies that if they were to 
finally collapse and acknowledge the fact that they are failed. By the way, if one of them fails, the other one will collapse. There, yes. It's very much like uh, the, well, it is almost identical to the banking crisis we went through in 2008 and 2009. They didn't go through that crisis because they art- the, the government artificially created money and jobs, built entire cities uh, where nobody lives to keep this from happening. But it, they just basically pushed it down the road. If, it, if one of them, if, if Evergrande goes under, Country Garden will follow, and that will be a major issue. Anyway, uh, we're almost out of time, but I did want to say something. I, I don't know if we got enough time to address it, but... Go for it. Something really earth-shaking occurred economically uh, this last week. Uh, the and, and the report is very dry and it's very esoteric, and so it probably very few reporters read it. But the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is one of our favorite organizations, is inside the Commerce Department. Self-proclaimed bureaucrats. Yes. Um, came out with a couple of reports, personal income and outlays, and the second estimate of GDP for the second quarter or for the third quarter. The third quarter GDP initially came in at 4.9% annualized growth, which is astonishing, huge, bigger than what was going on anywhere else in the world in a major developed or major major economy. They revised it with their second estimate to 5.2%. Our economy was growing the United States net GDP. That's after subtracting inflation and subtracting the balance of payments deficit that really isn't there. The GDP of the United States was growing at five, on a, at a rate of 5.2% per year. Now, just to tell you, to put that in context, if you if you looked at your income and you say how much, and you got a, a raise that if you annualized it in the third quarter and you saw how many extra dollars were coming in, this is, if you, if you just approach it that way, the way us normal human beings would approach it, the gross domestic product of the United States grew 8.9 at an 8.9% rate in the third quarter. 8.9% increase in product in the United States. That's dollar value of product. Now, then if you subtract out the balance of trade deficit and subtract out inflation and you make seasonal adjustments to it, it comes to 5.2, however you want to approach this thing. That is astonishing. And it looks like we're going to be around three in the fourth quarter. Why do we say that? Because we've got October's data in. And in October, the, the engine, the main engine that's driving our economy Theoretically, was the, the, the consumer spending was rising at about 2.4% in, in October on an annualized basis. But there was some other things going on, too. Our trade deficit kept shrinking. It continued to shrink. And this is the biggest thing. And I, we can talk about this next hour because I think this should be on the front pages. In the month of October, the PCE index, which is the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, which is the one the Federal Reserve pays most attention to, rose 0%. I said we had, in other words, we had no inflation in October. Nada, zero, none inflation in October. Now, if you want to annualize that, it comes out to exactly the same number, zero. Now, we got to wait one one month doesn't do it, but we've been saying it's been rising at about at a rate between 1.2 and 2.4, depending on which series of months you look at. But it has been slowly falling. The, the rate of inflation in the United States in October was zero. Now, what does that mean? Goods, and if you've been to Walmart anywhere else, you'll see they're having a lot of sales. The prices of goods fell 2.2%. The prices of services 
I know I, I, I may have that wrong. But anyway, the price of services went up slightly and the prices of goods went down quite a lot. And the end result is we had 0% inflation. That didn't make the headlines, but it should have. That it, It's just like every once in a while, the, they should come out and say the number of aircraft that have landed without an accident. But I don't think they ever will. And we're almost out of time for this hour. Yeah. Um, we got lots more to talk about next hour. Like IBM just made a change in its retirement plan. We're probably going to talk about that a little bit. Um, we're probably going to talk a bit uh, more about China. We're going to talk about a trade war that's going on with the European Union still. What's going on there? We're going to talk about something that is also not making a lot of news, that the uh, average, the, the, the pay gap between the workers and the rich and all of that is narrowing. You know, all this out of context stuff over the past couple of decades about the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And we've broken into that. We'll talk more about that because that trend is not only reversing, but reversing very quickly. Um, but in the meantime, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give investment advice to people of relatively high net worth. That's fiduciary investment advice in the best interest of our client and portfolio management. Uh, the uh, local number to call is voicemail during the weekend, real life people during the week. 254-947-1111. Or toll free, should you have a landline, 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletter going back a long way. Sign up for it. It comes out every Friday evening. Uh, you can listen to our radio program going back a lot of years. You can find the podcast anywhere that podcasts are found. Please let us know how you're listening to this. Uh, you can also contact us through the contact form or directly at Jeff, Jeff at tpwc.com and Jake at tpwc.com. We actually read those things. Until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.